This morning I'd like to uh, talk on what I would call this lesson is the birth of a nation. The birth of a nation. Now in 1948, we uh, Israel, uh, so to speak, we might say, became became a nation again. There's a lot made out of it. There's a lot to do over that. The verse I'm going to get to today, there's hardly no, no one ever talks about, but this is when the nation of Israel was really born. But we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to read the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not be, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be Thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book also not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Uh, I'd like to tell you a quick story about that verse, Joshua 1.9. In Acts 9 verses, in the 2019-2020 Phoenix Suns season, we almost did it. We almost went all the way. But in the first round, we're up against, uh, I think, the Sacramento Kings, and we're already down two games, the first round. Anyway, Coach Monty Williams, and, and I'm a fair-weathered fan, so I'm listening to the news this day on the sports, but 
I wasn't paying that much attention till he got to till he started quoting this verse, Joshua one nine. He said, "I've told my team." He he read them the whole first night. He said, "I've told I've told my team this verse, and I'm going to read it the way he read it out of the NIV." And I did read this verse one time before, a couple times back. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I couldn't believe it. The way he said it was such boldness. It, it was a, I mean, it really got my attention. So, anyway, um, after that, we won the next, uh, we shut out the, we shut out the Kings. Next round, Denver, 4-0. and Next round, Clippers. I think it was six games. I can't remember. It might have been better than that. Then we get to the finals, and, and we we lose that one. Uh, evidently, we lost faith. Our, our money needed to come up with a different verse to push them over the top. But I decided at that point, yeah, I'll, I'll adopt that verse. I like that verse. Anyway, about two weeks later, my sister Priscilla, who teaches a Bible study, she something happened. She was in a, a thing with a, a guy who accused her of hitting her car, and, and she didn't, didn't hit it at all. Anyway, that's a long story, but anyway, I, I read that verse too, and I, I read it about how I just read it here, you know. You know, I'd already had two weeks practice on this verse, so anyway. She shared that verse with her Bible study. And and about a month later, she told me that. She said, yeah, that verse really helped lift that burden off of me. Anyway, I should, I should email Monty if I could find his email address and tell him of all of the things, you know, all of the people that have been blessed by that burden, and it's still going on. Here I am talking about it. Three, you know, close to three years later. Okay, so that as way of introduction to Joshua chapter three, and we'll start. We'll read verses fourteen through seventeen. Joshua three fourteen through seventeen. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the, the Ark of the, of the Covenant before the people and as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest now the the, when it says the harvest, that's talking about the barley harvest. And this was the time. Uh, this was right. In fact, uh, let's see. Uh, you go back one day. Back one page, you'll see four, fifth or sixth of Abib. If you look at the note on uh, 419, the 10th of Abib. That's off to the right of the you know, where he shows dates. 
So this, I think this book of Joshua started, and we're going to turn to to, uh, where, to where that shows significance in a minute. But um, this is the Passover and the barley harvest go hand in hand. There were people, astronomers in Israel. They were in the tribe of Issachar. I'm going to I'm going to maintain that they were from the tribe of Issachar, and they were of mainly of the Levites. It was commanded to the Levites to take care of this thing, to count the days. Once you enter the land, I want you to start counting the days. It didn't start till they entered the land. The days didn't start counting, and I'll show you, show that verse too. But, but the Jordan River at this time of year, of the time of the, now notice it overflows, so it just emphasizes the power of the mighty hand God had in holding back the waters. The, the waters start up in Mount Hermon, about a hundred, oh, let's see, a hundred, Close to a hundred miles from where they crossed, as it depends on where you start measuring on that mountain. But you know, there's ravines and things that start forming into to, to the River Jordan. But uh, but remember that that they that they had to see the new moon. The new moon had to be seen, and it's not an easy thing to see the new moon. Amateur astronomers, that's one of their little things they try to do. And you even know close to what day it is. They know within a day what it is, but they have to find this very fine line. And you get, and, and I think you have to have a telescope for it. I'm not sure how they did it, because there's never been any lenses found before Christ. But they almost had to have it. They almost had to have lenses in those days. But in any case, it comes down from about 9,200 feet, starts building up pressure, comes down to the Sea of Galilee. That's actually, what is that, 600? Uh, sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. Keeps going on down about another 90 miles till it hits the Dead Sea. That's close to 1,400 feet below sea level. That's about, anyway, just north of that, just north of the Dead Sea is where they crossed. Now, I might mention to you that since about 1964, those, uh, the Dead Sea has gone down from, no wait, I take that back, since 1930, the Dead Sea was 410 square miles. Now it's 230. Went from 410 to 230. That's how much surface area that has dropped. Its level in 1970 was 1300 feet below sea level. And now it's closer to 1400. It's causing tremendous problems in Israel. Groundwater is dropping and uh, different things you could read up on that on the Internet. But but uh, just, just to show you there that for all of these years, since 1500 B.C. and, and before, that, that beautiful river has, has flown, uh, you know, until man got a hold of it. They 
her project in 64 that, that taps into a lot of that water up farther north. In, in any case, let's keep reading in Joshua 3.16, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is, beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the Sea of the Plain, that is, the Dead Sea. The Sea of the Plain is the Dead Sea. Even the Salt Sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over against Jericho. And uh, if you've ever been to Israel, you probably swam in the Dead Sea. It, the, it's got 9.6 times the amount of salt that is in the ocean. And you can float, and you, you feel like you're invincible, like you can't believe you're floating. Anyway, down in verse 17, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over. All the people were passed clean over. And then it goes back and reiterates that, as we're going to read in a minute. But that's when Israel became a nation. You can't be a nation if you don't have a country. Now, you can say, well, Abraham started the nation of Israel. Yes, he did. But officially, in my mind anyway, this is when they became a nation. And how many people was it there were clean Passover? I think at least two million because they're, because they counted them as soon as they came over. There were 603,550 over the age of 20 that was able to go to war. So if you base it on that, you, you figure at least, I don't know, maybe two million, maybe more. But a lot of them were the Egyptians who, who I guess you would say were in servitude to the, the families that that brought them with them. But, and that, that could have been a, a half a million more, I don't know. Either, either way, Israel was so organized, the way they, when they would set up their tents and come, uh, go to a new stop, they were so organized, and, and uh, you know, the, the Levites were in the center, all the, all the other, other tribes surrounded them, and they took off toward the east, they had a real orderly way about them, and it had to do with the signs of the zodiac too, the way those they were positioned. Uh, Bullinger gets into that. Now I'm going to skip all the way down to um, verse uh, four nine, Joshua four nine, and Joshua set up twelve stones, and, and that's what. Uh, Verses 1 through 8 are about. I'm just kind of uh, summing it up for you real quick here. Those first eight, they talked about the memorial. At the, when, we, uh, when the children of Israel look at this and say, what were these 12 stones for? Well, this is, then you tell the story of how the Lord stopped the waters and we walked across on dry land and entered the land of Israel. And you'll see that in uh, verse 
7, and, and the last part of verse 7, And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. But in verse 9, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 19, verses 9 through 19. And 19 is the verse I'm wanting to get to of all of this, all of what we're doing here. Verse, so we just read verse 9, verse 10, for the priests which bear the ark, everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that was commanded Joshua, and the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of the Lord passed over and the priests and the priests in the presence of the people. And the and that that's significant. The priests did all these things in the presence of the people and that magnified Joshua in their eyes that the priests without question did everything Joshua said that the Lord commanded him. And the children of Reuben, verse 12, and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over and on before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. Now remember, they got their inheritance a little bit early, right there at the end of, of Deuteronomy, after they conquered these people that wouldn't let them pass. Uh, they, they were on the east side of the Jordan, these tribes were. But they agreed to pass over and help do the fighting. Verse 13, about 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. Now, Joshua, of course, is a name of, is a type of Christ. So he, he was magnified here in the sight of all Israel. And, uh, when we were in Israel, the, the, they call him Yeshua. Joshua is, is, is Yeshua and that's, that's what they call, that's what Christian Jews call Christ, Yeshua. Now, supposedly about 2% of Israel are Christian. Christians today, and that's something, of course, you couldn't know, but it's something I read. But the, uh, but if you think about it, if, if let's just use the the two percent figure. If six million were were murdered in World War Two or before or during, the hundred and twenty thousand people that were Christians. Christians that were gassed or otherwise shot, however Hitler did it. But, but I, I just want to say this about the people I met when I was there. They were people that you, in fact, did want to spend time with. They were great people. We met one lady, Jean, know, knew her pretty well. She was in her 80s, and most cheerful lady you've ever met. And, uh, and there are a lot of uh, great Jewish people out there that believe in the Lord. And 
And as you well know, Nathan himself came into the truth of the mystery on his own. Then when he started reading Welch, he said, well, he couldn't believe these are the same things I've been saying. And, and, and Welch brought him on, you know, to establish him in the faith. So in verse 15, And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place, and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came, and here's the verse. Here's the verse where Israel became a nation. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east, well, toward, as far east as you could get, I think that means, uh, toward the Jericho as far east as you could get there. But they've tried to find that city, and as far as I know, they haven't done, found anything archaeologically. But, uh, they, you know, there's a couple of guesses where it might be. But it's north of the Dead Sea there. Um, and it was on the 10th of Abib. The people came up out of Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. There's not a single note on that verse. Bullinger makes no mention of it, other than he, he mentions this is the tenth of Abib. And I've never seen anyone mention it. But let's go back to Ezekiel. <laughs> Ezekiel. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 12. Well, it started with an E. Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to read, uh, first we'll start, let's start in verse 1. We'll, first we'll read verses 1, 2, and 3 in chapter 12 of Exodus. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, the month of Abib, shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. So here was the same day, 40 years. Let's go back in time 40 years exactly to the day. Speaking to all the congregation in the tenth day of this month is the, where you choose the Paschal Lamb. You're going to choose the Lamb on this day, the same day, and that's a type of Christ there as they, as day one started for Israel there. It, it was the same day that, uh, you know, that typically Christ was the, you know, the, the lamb for the slaughter was chosen. Down in verse 6. And ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day 
of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So that's the Passover. So so here they're in the land. Four days later is the first Passover. This actually was the first Passover in Exodus 12, but the first Passover after they were in the land is what we're going to see here. Let's see. I think it's on, uh, let's see. I didn't write that verse down, but right after this it shows they, in fact, on the 14th did uh, celebrate the Passover. So let me get my notes out here. Um, okay, yeah, fourteenth, tenth day, the Paschal Lamb chosen, the day they entered entered the land. Fourteenth was the Passover. The thirteenth was the crucifixion. Fifteen hundred years, no, fifteen hundred and thirty-three years later, something like that. Now, now, if you go with, by Bollinger's dates, yeah, this was a year 1451, uh, 1451. And he, well, I'm, I'm getting off track. As I've been accused of this before, I jump around too much. I, I try to cover too much in one lesson. But on the 17th of Abib, that's when the 50 days of Pentecost began. So... That was one week after they got in. Okay, now let's turn to Leviticus chapter 25. I want to read verses 1 through 4. Leviticus 25, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Now, you can't start counting until you get in the land. When you get, when you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. So, yeah, they knew, they counted the days in the 40 years. Yeah, we know we know exactly to the day when all of these other things happen too. And uh, just for your information, I'm, I'm just reiterate it. In um, Exodus one three, fortieth year, eleventh month, first day. Exodus one three, that the the last month of uh, the forty years. Was in, was in all of Exodus. Numbers 1-1 was the second year, second month. So, uh, all of, all of these things took place in Numbers, Leviticus, uh, Numbers and Leviticus were, took third, were the 38 years and 10 months. The rest of it was, was, uh, you know, all of, actually all of Leviticus was, uh, given early. I take that back. Leviticus was given within the first year. Okay, so so anyway, we we need to always keep those two verses in mind. Exodus one three and Numbers one one when we're studying the law. And that's one thing to, one thing I want to mention here. When they entered the land, they had 
the law. And we read that. We actually already read that. You will have this law with you when you go. They also had the book of Job. So I'm going to call this 1500 B.C. You can call it 1450 if you want, 1450 B.C. In one instance, it's 29 jubilees from from this time till the birth of Christ. According to Bollinger, there's 29 jubilees from this time to the birth of Christ. Now, I would like to make an argument that it's possible that there was actually 30 jubilees, that this happened exactly 1,500 years before Christ was born. And I'm not I'm not trying to alarm you and scare you, Doc. You have to Bollinger's dates because you don't. I, I, I still use Bollinger's dates for everything. It's for convenience. Why, why would we start coming up with new dates? But anyway, that's that's a different subject. And uh, but but if you look at it, there's 30 jubilees. Then he lived 30 years, and that was when the acceptable year of the Lord that he talked about. Uh, Ron read that verse a couple weeks ago. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. So when he began his ministry. So okay. Let's go back to, okay, uh, did I read through four? Yeah, the seventh year, six years. When you come into the land, which I gave you, that's 25-2 of Leviticus. Then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. The Sabbath for the Lord, thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. Now I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause a trumpet of the Jubile to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement, shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout your land. Okay, so this, here we have, they entered 110, but they don't start counting the Jubilees till 710, the Day of Atonement. Now, 7-1 is Rosh Hashanah, in which... And on a Jewish calendar of uh, that I've got shows they show that as the birth of Christ. Rosh Hashanah is where they show this particular calendar I've got shows the birth of Christ. And and uh, so yeah, one 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 was was uh, Rosh Hashanah. One ten is Day of Atonement. So but that's that's when the fifty years started getting counted right then. Right then on this day is, is when the, the 50 years. So there's two years in Israel. There's the what they call it the agricultural year and the governmental year. The governmental year, we start them counting actually on the first of Abib, the first of the first month, because in, in Exodus 12, 1, he said, 
that this shall be the beginning of days for you. So that's when we will start counting. That's when I'm sure their their governmental calendar started. But, okay, in any case, this this Day of Atonement is when day one of the, uh, you know, of that calendar started. Now, uh, okay, first, now, um, turn to First Chronicles chapter 12, First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. This is in the time of David, and I want to show you an interesting verse that no one else commented on this one either. I'd like to make a comment. Says in 32, and the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. The children of Issachar were men that had understanding of the times. To know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Now, I think these 200 were Levites, and I think they commanded others to do their work for them. Now, this is what I believed. I believed that when it said that it speaks of the time, that they know the times, and there's one other place this, that this occurs, that word, and that's uh, in Esther where it talks about the wise men. In chapter 1, I think it is, of the wise men who knew the times. But, but this is a different knowing the time. Although, although there's a story behind that one too. That's interesting. But in any case, I believe this. And only two days ago, I looked up on the mountain. I looked up on in the internet, Mount Tabor, which is in Issachar, and it, it's toward the base of the uh, Mount Hermon. As you start coming down, it's about 1,800 feet high. Anyway, I'm not even sure, but I, I, I was I wasn't surprised when I read this. But this is what you can see on uh, Wiki Wikipedia that uh, during the Second Temple period, which was we'll call it 477 to 70 A.D. Let's say they say that. And let me read this exact if I can find where I wrote it. They say that, um, let's see, second temple period, that the, they lit beacons. This, this was in Issachar on this Mount Tabor. They lit beacons for the holy days. And the beginning of new moons. They had to find the exact day that this new moon started for these holy days. And, in fact, it was there on Wikipedia that, yes, in fact, Issachar used to tell the rest of the people, okay. And, and by the way, if you did, there were times when the 13th month had to be added. And that one day could make a difference of adding that whole 13th month on the calendar. And that could change the whole Passover and barley harvest uh, being ripe at the right time. That whole thing works all together. So, 
so yeah. Anyway, they they say the second temple period, but it goes before that. I'm sure this. They were hard, as soon as they got into their land, they uh, they knew these things. And a lot. I've read things where people have discounted the ability of the Jews, and and never never do that. These people an alert. Uh, and and I, I read something once that talked about the, the uh, talking about Troy and, and these people up in uh, this section probably wouldn't have, the word probably wouldn't have gotten to them. I can tell you within 24 hours they had ways I don't know how carrier pigeons I don't know and, and from mountain top to mountain top top doing beacons and things but. And people never discount the Jews. Now, Mount Tabor is the mountain that Deborah in in the Book of the Judges that that was that story was based on where the Canaanites came into the land and, and were already in the land, I guess, and they they were going to trouble Israel. Anyway, the Lord chose a woman in that case to take care of that problem. So. Also, Mount Tabor is at an intersection. Naphtali is on the north, the east is Manasseh, and the left is on the left is Issachar. You might call it the three corners. We have a right here, Arizona has a corner, it's called the four corners. But this three corners, Naphtali, Manasseh, and Issachar, well, that was Mount Tabor. So the word went out from there. Okay, so what that means is they knew exactly to the day. They knew exactly to the day when 50 years were up. There wasn't any guessing. And I want to read something real quick. Um, this is out of this is out of the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia under astronomy. And I, 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 this is one of the few reasons I kept this, these encyclopedias. Cause every now and then they came up with some good articles. Most of the time it was just liberal thinking. But anyway, it says, now this is talking about the cycles between the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon goes through cycles. It says, in this period of 49 solar years, was astronomically a period of restitution, for the sun and moon returned nearly to their original positions relative to each other since 49 solar years are 606 lunar months within an error of 32 hours. 606 lunar months is 49 solar years and and the moon and back on that next on that day, the, the sun and the moon within 32 hours comes back to the the original starting point. So that through the jubilee period, so that though the jubilee jubilee period is not a perfect lunar cycle, it was quite exact enough to guide the Jewish priests in drawing up their calendar in cases where the failure of observation had given rise to some doubt. You know, overcast, for example. The beginning of each month was marked by the blowing of the two silver trumpets. 
The beginning of the civil, that is to say the agricultural year, was marked by a special blowing of trumpets, giving the name Feast of Trumpets to that new moon. And they list the verses Leviticus 23-24 and Numbers 29-1. And the beginning of the new cycle of the 49 years was marked by the jubilee, the loud trumpet, Leviticus 25-9. Thus the cycle of jubilee made symmetrical, completed, and welded together all the Mohadim of the Lord, the two great lights were set for seasons. Now, there's also a 19-year cycle, which is more exact than that, just to help keep them on track. There's actually a 25,000-year cycle that's even more exact, and that comes into a different lesson. But uh, let's see. Okay. Now, I've got I've got enough time barely here. We'll turn to Judges chapter 11. Let's see if I put a sticky here. Judges. Oh. Now, here you go. Joshua Judges. I didn't put a thing on it. Joshua chapter 11 and verse 26. <laughs> Joshua. All right. Let me slow down. Judges chapter 11. Verse 26. It's got to be right, doesn't it? Let me see. Judges 11.26. Oh, yeah. Now, this is a... I don't have time to go into this. Hopefully, you're familiar with this passage. But while Israel dwelt in Heshbon and her towns and in Aurora and her towns and in all the cities that be along by the coast of Arnon... 300 years. Why, therefore, do you not recover them within that time? So, uh, let's see. You'd have to read this whole thing, but Jephthah, Jephthah the Gideonite, he was a pretty smart man. He knew his history. He knew that, that then this happened in the very, very last of Deuteronomy. Where, where they took this, you know, their land. But, and Jephthah was the one that, you know, was, was the one responsible for getting this back here. But in any case, there's nobody can tell you why, how, what this significance is of the 300 years. But if you think about it, if you believe what we just went over, they would know to the day that this was 300 years because it's exactly six jubilees. The 300 years is exactly six jubilees. They knew to the day. I mean, there is no question. Okay, then um, let me go on and read one a verse here. Second Chronicles 36, 21. Now, remember, they had to... Uh, you know, the land had to have rest. You can think of the land as a living, breathing thing, almost. Because, uh, let me see, where's that one note I had? Okay, here's a couple examples. The land, that the land will not yield her fruit. 
And another one, that the land be not defiled. And and don't get too boastful because the land will spit you out. I don't think it uses the word spit. will spit you out just like I'm going to do to these nations. So think of the land as something living and, and viable. But um, in verse 36, Second Chronicles 36, 21, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. So this is where the the seventy years was exacted upon Israel that they and because they did not keep the, the they didn't do it properly as they were supposed to keep the land. Now, so as we said, we 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 have Job and the law. Here we are, a new start in the land, and and we no longer need the stars. What the what we've learned in the law tells us a whole lot, fills in a whole lot of pictures that we didn't know about in the stars. So, and then. Obviously, books started being added on top of that till it got to 22 books. Now, in Hebrews, it talks about, it uses this uh, crossing over as an example of entering into his rest, enter, entering into God's rest. That's Hebrews 3:17 to 19, I believe. So, uh, that's an illustration. You know, it, that Paul used in Hebrews that, you know, that this, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, now, you know, now that this new beginning is that, uh, that we have this. Now I'm trying to, I'm looking for one more note and I'm going to close this. Um, oh, I don't see the note to close it with. In either case, that's, uh, that's pretty much what I have. I will say the Jordan at where they crossed was a, it is about a hundred feet wide and ten foot deep. But if you take the, the fact that this time of year it was overflowing, uh, that, you know, that made an impression on the other, the other, uh, countries. Um, and I'm looking here. I don't see anything else. I, I will say this though. The, uh, the, the Jewish calendar, this is the year 5,783. Now, according to Bullinger's dates, if you use the crossing as the first day, I, th- I think Naimonides lived in the 12th century. He was a Jewish philosopher, and he's the one that came up with that, and somehow it got adopted. Anyway... According to Bullinger, this would be the year 3,469. Okay, so so we, we can see they're a couple of thousand years off. I think they might go back to Abraham though on that one. But either way, uh, either way, we can see that uh, that that to me that was when we had to start counting, and it, and it has a lot of significance because. Uh, Israel, we we know, and and you can take you can 
you can go all the way through the Old Testament and date it. And it's a, it's a remarkable thing how that chronologists will not take the Bible dating as, as well as they will say some Assyrian and, and dating and things like that. But in any case, uh, with that, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, again for this time we have to gather around your word and to discuss it and to get to know you better. We pray this week you'll go with each one, keep your, keep us under your protection and guide us and direct us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.